You're listening to Drive and Convert, a podcast about helping online brands to build a better e-commerce growth engine with John McDonald and Ryan Garrow. Hey, Ryan, good to talk to you again. A uh, few episodes ago, we talked about Cyber Week and we touched on missed opportunities during what is usually a really heavy promotional week. As business owners, I think we're always worried about missing out. I know I definitely have FOMO, right? And it's even outside of the holiday period, but it just feels like it gets magnified right now. So many business owners that I talk to seem to regularly also have this fear of missing out. And especially when it comes to marketing. So they always are asking me questions like, were my goals right? Was my optimization right? Was there an area of the market that I didn't pay attention to? Or just could I have made more revenue really, right? So during holiday periods, which is when we're recording this, everything is intensified. And I find most business owners are really stressed about this a lot more, especially in a year like 2020. So Ryan, I'd love to get a deeper dive into the details of how a business owner can really just uncover maybe where they're missing out on valuable traffic or ad spend and therefore revenue, and if their FOMO is valid. Maybe we could just jump in at a high level. Where does one even go if they're interested in seeing if their FOMO is justified or not? (laughs) Well, you you probably have to go back six months. You know, were you planning or not? If you're not constantly in some state of planning uh, for six months out, you're probably going to be missing something. And then when you're making those plans, you have to build in contingencies and you have to build in uh, periods of time when you're going to relook at those plans. Because you can set goals for what's going to happen in six months based Mm -hmm. on what you know of your industry, what's happened in the past, but more often than not, it is not going to be like that when you get there. And so you have to be able to pivot and adjust and say, okay, if this was going to happen, we're going to do this. So make sure you are planning. I think business owners, and I find, this happens to me as well, that too often I'm so caught up right in the moment and getting things done. Either I'm not taking the time to plan or it's just something that isn't even on the radar for me. Like I'm just trying to keep up with what's going on or, you know, if, you, if, you've, if you're listening to this, congratulations, you made it through 2020. <laughs> um, but in that type of a year and scenario where stress is so high, like planning just often seems to fall by the wayside. Mm-hmm. It's just like, okay, I just got to head down, keep plowing through because things are tough or things are happening to me that I don't have control on and it just takes away my passion and desire to plan. So I think as a, as a business owner or a marketing team, Make sure that you're taking that opportunity to plan. And, and as you're doing that, make sure you're doing it with some outside feedback too. And I know that myself, I have to ask my wife certain things as I'm planning, not only to make sure that I'm uh, not going off on some random tangent, but she's all a phenomenal a sounding board for me. Okay. And I think everybody needs some of that, like somebody that's not in the business day-to-day with you that can be like, oh, yeah, I understand that or I get that or like, whoa, that makes no logical sense based on this. Can you tell me why it makes sense in your business? So at least plan. Okay. I guess my, my question, follow-up question to that is that what are some actual steps people can take out of that, right? So if they have to go back six months and let's just say they didn't, you know, what, what, what should they be doing now? When you're going to look at missing out and if, and if you did or did not, um, I, generally I can say pretty consistently that most businesses miss out on something. 
Okay. Either they don't have the talent to see it or they don't have a marketing team that knows how to do it. Most businesses I can go into from a marketing perspective and be like, you did miss out here, here, here. And so a lot of times as a business owner, you're trying to minimize the missing out. But that a lot of that analysis and getting that picture of what's going on in your organization starts in Google Analytics. I advocate across the board, it doesn't really matter what company you are, the size of your organization, or what you're actually using to measure your analytics, whether you're using Adobe, whether you're using, I mean, it's, there's tons of ways you can measure web traffic. I always advocate for having Google Analytics on there. Yeah, it's free. You can even pay for the upgraded one if you've got enough traffic and it makes sense to do that often. But having a backup tracking system that is functional, even if it's not your primary, have it. Holiday seasons, things break. Amazon went down during Cyber Week for Seller Central. And so Seller Central doesn't have a backup. So (laughs) unfortunately, you can't have it there. But nobody's going to go into Cyber Week saying, oh, servers on Amazon Seller Central are going to go down. I'm going to be flying blind for three days. I mean, it was crazy. Talk about increasing your stress level. <laughs> uh, like, I don't even know what's going on in my business on Amazon and we're spending a bunch oh, no. of money. So start in analytics. If you don't have it, get it on there. Um, it'll help you do a lot of uh, interesting things and, and allow you to see things. And as you're looking at analytics, you have to make sure that you're, you're tagging traffic correctly. There are so many things that can go wrong in analytics that at least take, it's like the blocking and tackling of analytics is making mm-hmm. sure that if you're sending traffic to your site from Facebook, that it's going into the Facebook bucket. If you're sending traffic from an email list, a lot of times email can go into direct traffic and it can really skew your results as you're doing analysis and making your an- analyzing way more difficult than it needs to be. So Tag traffic, it's not difficult. You can't, there's a broad statement, but you really can't over tag your traffic and give yourself more information. The more information you put into analytics now, your future self is really going to thank present self. Like mm-hmm. annotate things that happen in analytics so you can go back a year later and be like, oh, yeah, our site went down for three hours during Cyber Monday. Therefore, our sales were lower than we would have expected them. It's interesting how this always comes back to having the right data. Oh, yeah. I feel like every every time we <laughs> chat, it's, well, you got to have the right data and you should start now. If you don't have it, just start now. Yeah. Well, I think it's because you and I talked to so many business owners. I mean, we're always on the phone talking mm-hmm. to business owners and so many of them just don't even have the data that they need. Marketing always sounds kind of sexy and fun. And, and at the end of the day, all we're doing is looking at spreadsheets and data points. <laughs> it's like, I don't get to do the the mad men thing. I'm going to go drink a martini and sit on a couch and come <laughs> up with a cool idea. It's like, no, we're going to look at data and then we're going to tell you what you need to be doing based on what this you know Excel sheet is basically telling us to do. Right, okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, there you go. That's, that's accurate. It, it's, you know, obviously optimization is a lot of, data right but people don't really think about how much data you know this is public so it was on instagram so but i saw on logical positions account on instagram that you guys were publishing the spend every couple of hours for your entire (laughs) client base and i was watching just loving watching this number tick up and then like the amount of revenue you were getting out of this in the Mm and the roas and you can't do that unless you have the right data as you said, it's interesting. Every day we talk to people who don't have the right data and it just blows my mind. It's like, how did you grow to several million dollars online and <laughs> you're not even doing UTM tagging in your analytics? Like, seriously, you don't know what channels your stuff's coming from? Like, no, it just sells. I know I throw more money at it and I get more money back. I'm like, you could get more money back 
Like, yep. let's, let's work on that. <laughs> exactly. It's those customers or, or companies I'm talking to a lot of times in this scenario where you're missing out. It's, they don't, most companies don't even know they're missing out because they're just, hey, we, yeah, we spend $50,000 on Facebook and mm-hmm. our business is growing. Don't know why, don't know how. I'm like, okay, well, what if you could be getting the same thing for 30000 and mm-hmm. therefore you just added 20000 to the bottom line? Or what if you should be spending 250000 because you could grow 10x? So it's it's crazy, but that's how I also know that almost everybody listening to this is probably missing out on something. So if you have that traffic, where do you suggest people look? Is it, you know, um, what channel they're coming from, organic, direct? What, what do you typically want people to look at first? I want people to uh, start by analyzing year-over-year data because you need to mm-hmm. avoid seasonality. And so month over month, period over period can get, it's, it's nice to see that you're growing up and to the right but at the same time, like, at some point, you're going to go down, but that might not be bad because there is seasonality. So year over year is important, uh, at least in the analysis I start with. Also, when you have holidays that aren't fixed in a calendar month, you need to make sure that you've adjusted for that in your year over year analysis. So it's not just compared to the previous year in analytics. Like, for example, Cyber Monday this year is in November. Last year was in December. And so almost every e-commerce business is going to be up in November uh, because of Cyber Monday being in November, uh, but then December might have struggles. And so you just have to line up. So you generally want to see week over week periods, like do four weeks, but make sure they line up with holiday. Once you get there, I always start with direct traffic. So these are the people that come to your site, that know you, that have heard of you, that they either you're doing offline marketing that's helping drive people to the site. But this is generally pretty consistent, stable traffic. Most of the time, if it's tagged, if it's tagged correctly, make sure you don't have emails showing up there or referrals from PayPal. Um, <laughs> oh, the dreaded PayPal. The PayPal, referral. yeah, referral traffic. That's one of my things in here. When you look at referral traffic, make sure PayPal's not in there. If people don't know what we're talking about, can you explain that really quickly? Because it, it's 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 like the plague. Oh, of, yeah, of analytics. Probably sixty percent of the time, I look at an analytics account. It's sitting in there. Um, so you should be using PayPal probably on your site to let people transact. It's a high volume transaction choice for a lot of people. PayPal though, you go out to PayPal and then PayPal sends them back to your site once the transaction's done. And so PayPal is probably not sending new business to your site. And so if you look in your referral traffic and you see X number of dollars coming from PayPal, Either you're really cool and PayPal likes you for some reason. They're sending you a bunch of customers that weren't already on your site. Not happening. <laughs> Not happening. But probably uh, you haven't excluded PayPal from your from your uh, referral traffic. So analytics is counting that as, oh, Brian went to your site and bought it from PayPal. It's great. So you just have to add a referral exclusion. And mm-hmm. so everybody should have a default referral exclusion for your own site. So that if you open new tabs or do various things, your site is not sending yourself traffic because it takes credit from other channels that should be getting that traffic. And PayPal, if you use Afterpay or Affirm or things like that where they do go off the site to apply and then come back, make sure you're excluding that with an asterisk. There are uh, some sites I've seen recently that are actually getting some traffic. They'll, people will actually go to sites that offer multi-pay and then actually go buy on the sites that are offered on there. Mm. And that's a, it's a newer one, so you can't just exclude across the board, you know, Affirm or, you know, Afterpay. So it's just be aware that those just need to be in there to, okay. keep your, to keep your data clean. And so once you've got clean data, you've looked at year-over-year traffic, let's just say your direct traffic is up 10% year-over-year for revenue. You know, you can see direct traffic up 10%, revenue up 10%. That's great. 
If you're working with John, hopefully your traffic's up 10% and your revenue's up 30%. It's because it's just performing better. Uh, but that'll be across the site, not just on direct traffic. So that's my consistent barometer. If you have a marketing channel that you are investing in that is growing at a slower clip than your direct traffic, I would at a high level say you are missing out. Mm. You're not aggressive enough. You're you're not spending enough. Uh, your goals are off, but something is long. And that's where a red flag goes up and says, hey, let's dive into this in a little more detail. You haven't kept up with just the general growth of your site. And from 99.999% of all businesses, you are not leading the entire industry. And so your industry is is growing and you're playing at a piece of that and you should be able to outpace your direct traffic growth for channels that you're spending money on for marketing. I won't get into the minutia of all of that, of how where I've seen all of that, but in general, because you can invest in non-brand traffic or people that haven't heard of you before on Google, Facebook, Pinterest, the opportunities to capture more people new to your brand is going to be greater than your brand just growing at a, at a steady clip. You're listening to Drive and Convert, a podcast focused on e-commerce growth. Your hosts are John McDonald, founder of The Good, a conversion rate optimization agency that works with e-commerce brands to help convert more of their visitors into buyers, and Ryan Garrow of Logical Position, a digital marketing agency offering pay-per-click management, search engine optimization, and website design services to brands of all sizes. If you find this podcast helpful, please help us out by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing it with a friend or colleague. Thank you. Is the analysis of traffic the same for all these channels? Or do you have to look at the channels in a silo and see what's missing? I mean, anybody that's been in the in the digital marketing world understands that nothing operates in a silo anymore. And maybe never did, but we now have enough data to prove that they don't operate in silos. And so, But you have to really start your analysis there um, and expand out from there. So step one is let's look just specifically at that one channel on what it's doing and what it's getting credit for. And then we can branch out beyond that and start looking at some of those halo effects that we've talked about in the past and what mm -hmm. it's doing to other channels. But often, and this is just kind of often, it's never a, a hard, fast rule, but often if you take care of what's in the silo, that halo effect is still going to be doing the same thing. If you grow what's in the silo, the halo effect will grow as well. Shrink what's in the silo, the halo effect shrinks. So fix what's in the silo and what you can really see being attributed directly to that. So can, can you give me an example of what you mean by starting in a silo? And sure. So Google search and shopping is probably the easiest one for most people to understand. Um, it's, it's a separate platform. People have operated in it for a long time and so they get it pretty clearly. E-commerce, you have search and shopping that are really probably the bottom part of the funnel that you can really, I would say, if you can max out something, it's going to be there. You know, display and video advertising on Google, you could probably never max that out. Mm -hmm. There's there's no limit to probably what Google's going to allow you to spend on their display network. And so if you're focusing just on search and shopping, that's where you can have a lot of missing out and a lot of FOMO can come into play there if you're not doing it correctly. And a lot of that's going to be around the non-brand. You mm -hmm. know, if, if you can assume, and it's always dangerous, but assume that you can, for example, bid $20 on your brand terms, phrase match, exact match. You're going to be able to defend your brand's terms on from a text ad perspective. You can make the ad bigger many times, capture a higher click-through rate, push competitors down, all of that wonderful thing. But 
I'm just going to assume that you can capture that brand search traffic on text ads. It's the non-brand things that you really have the leverage to push and pull to see how much more could I be getting out of that that Mm non-brand search. And you can do that both in search and shopping. And so when I'm looking at uh, an account or talking to a business owner, I want to see, I don't ever want to be limited by budget in my accounts. And so if I'm limited by budget, the account's definitely not performing the way I need it to be for like, maybe I'm losing a bunch of money and I don't know why. Okay, limit your budget. But if you're spending $100 a day, the goals are where you want them to be. Make sure your budget is set at $200 a day on that campaign. You don't want to miss out, especially in a holiday promotional period, you know, where traffic spikes can come from all over the place. Just make sure that you've got the budget set there to be able to capture the people. But that leads into goals too. This is most people have bad goals. I probably talk about this almost every single time we're speaking anywhere in the country or online. Most business owners have bad goals. On non-brand traffic, on search and shopping, you should be breaking even. You know, capture customers and don't look at Google ads as a profit center. Look at it as a customer acquisition channel. Mm-hmm. You are paying for customers. And if you can break even, you're getting free customers at the end of the day. You're not getting profit on them on this one. You can get that later. But customer acquisition. And so once you've got those two things in place, that's where you start getting into the details that become fun where you can uncover really cool little insights about what's going on in your industry, within mm-hmm. your business, and what you can be doing. And again, there's always a, I should have said this earlier on, but there is no rule that I can set out that is going to be true across every person listening to this podcast and every business. It's going to be nuances that is going to be different for your business versus my businesses. But in shopping, I want to see search impression shares, click shares, absolute top impression share when I'm looking at these to try to gauge, if I'm looking year over year, I want to see my metrics getting better ideally. It's in an ideal world. But I also know that in shopping, as you spend more per click or you bid up on your products, that you're eligible for more searches. Like for example, if we look at Joyful Dirt, which we've talked about before, if I'm pushing on non-brand terms, there's some really high volume terms like fertilizer, for example, mm-hmm. that I'm probably not going to convert very well on. And I probably don't have enough money right now to compete with Scott's miracle Grow on just broad term fertilizers. You're I getting closer. We're getting there. <laughs> and I hope to be there soon, but we'll see. <laughs> um, <laughs> But my, my shopping campaigns, if I'm controlling the budgets and, and, or controlling the cost per click and keeping it lower, Google's, Google knows I, don't, I can't afford to compete at that level. Like I might have to bid, for example, $3 a click to start showing for that, but right now maybe I'm only bidding a dollar. And so my impression share will actually go down as I spend more and bid higher. So impression share can't be an end-all be-all when you're gauging if I missed out. I haven't seen an account yet that is, has 100% impression share on, on shopping. It just hasn't existed yet. If it is, hey, ping me and let me know because I'd love to look at your account and see what 100% <laughs> impression share looks like. Um, but the click share is a cool metric to see. Like, uh, it's, a, it's a math problem that Google hasn't given a ton of insight on. Mm-hmm. But it's basically Google saying, all right, how many clicks did you get based on what you could have gotten? I'm like, okay, well, what could I have gotten? I don't know. But Google's like, well, you could have gotten these and you got this. Like, well, how do I get those? There's no insights Mm. from Google on how to get that. So they're generating that FOMO for you. They are. They're saying, you got 46% to click share. Like, oh, is that good? Is that bad? 
that's an all a wonderful answer from every digital marketer is it, it depends. Mm. But absolute top impression share uh, on text ads is position one. And on shopping, is there position one that is often, not always, going to be the top left on a search box of nine and the most far left on a line of shopping ads? Most often, it won't, they won't tell you that it'll be there every time, but it's where you're going to get the best potential for a click is what they consider absolute uh, top impression share. Okay. Um, so that's kind of the high-level metrics I want to look at. Like, Did you move from 15% impression share and 25% absolute top to 27% absolute impression top. You know, you're making steps and moving in the right direction. That's better. And then the real cool data and the things that I like to see, the small details of that give me an indication that, yes, I'm doing really well or I really did miss out on this, is a search query report. Still probably my favorite report in all of digital marketing. Seeing what people are actually typing into Google what you're showing for, what you're getting clicks for, and what's actually converting. And then the revenue attached to that, the ROI attached to that. Uh, Google's gradually taking away that more and more. You know, mm-hmm. smart shopping doesn't give you search queries. So that's another reason I don't like smart shopping. And I would tell you if you are using smart shopping, most of the time you're leaving something on the table. So you should have some FOMO because you are missing out, uh, whether it makes sense to hire an agency to, to break that out and create campaigns for you or not, or your budget's maybe not even high enough to move out of smart shopping. That's fine. Just know that you are leaving it on the table. Google's also now just not giving you search queries on some of your searches. Yeah, well, I thought they've been doing that for a while with the whole dreaded, not provided. Well, that's an analytics. So yeah, they took away that uh, the organic mm. search queries. Okay. Uh, you can get them back if you if you spend money on Google Ads. Mm. <laughs> Which hey, it's it is it's Google's world and we're living in it. Uh, but yeah, there is that. Uh, if you have Search Console. Google Analytics, Google Ads, you can combine all those together and you'll actually see paid and organic as a great report in Google Ads. And that can be used to help understand missing out as well. Okay. We use this with a large athletic team um, of ours that we work with that pretty powerful in their industry. And we had to use that report to show the value of paid and organic working together. Mm-hmm. And so if, if you are a business owner that uh, at this point doesn't believe in bidding on your brand terms, I would challenge you to test running on brand terms and looking at that paid and organic report. And it will show you, hey, they searched for your brand. They clicked this many times on paid, this many times on organic. And this is your combined click-through rate with and without paid search on it. It'll be pretty insightful. And it'll actually also give you some positions that you're in on organic. So it can be really valuable. But again, you have to be paying for, for ads on that term to get it. Yeah. Google is now taking away a lot of the search queries in Google Ads. So you're spending money on these searches, but you don't get the actual query mm-hmm. that you actually spent money on and converted. So you see, I, I looked at a shopping account yesterday, actually, that I think it had 50 conversions in shopping. And when you go to the search query report, you actually only saw data for 30 of those 50. So you had 20 converting search queries that you don't even know what they were. Mm. And that's frustrating from a marketing perspective because you know Google has the data. Yeah. So I guess my big takeaway today is that Google generates FOMO for marketers. That that would be true. Yeah. It's, and it's, Google is a for-profit business and if they can generate some of that, it causes people probably to spend more money. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, I advocate for most, most businesses should probably be spending more on Google. Most of them. And sometimes it's it's Google helping you get out of your own way to a degree and understanding the channel a little more. Well, it even uh, goes back to the not being afraid to break even, right? 
with yeah. that spend, which, um, you know, at least to some degree. And so I think, you know, there, there's something to be said for that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now that we know everyone's going to have FOMO that yes, you are going to miss out and it. And there are some tactics to understand how much you were missing out that you may never fully know. And you need to just be okay with that. Is that is that kind of your summary here of what you would think? Do you agree with that? Yes, I guess you have to you have to be comfortable in an uncomfortable area knowing you're missing out. I think the key is to make sure that you're pushing as hard as you can in the areas you can. Like mm-hmm. knowing that you're not going to be operating in a vacuum as a business owner or a marketing team. If you can take out some of the easy little things and know that you're maxing them out, at least do that. You know, get your goals in the right spot. Push shopping down to that goal and then i even recommend go a little bit beyond that lose money a little bit to see how how much market is out there because you won't really know that until you've actually pushed the boundaries on that uh, within your organization and within your marketing account so if i have fomo just spend more see what happens and then it will help me calibrate yeah i mean you're really going to be once you're in motion you can direct it Mm -hmm. and that's one of my one of the ways i operate in business is and it drives some of the people I work with crazy to a degree because they're, you know, want to make sure we put the exact plans in place and, and make sure it's perfect before we go. And I'm like, look, we're going to go bang our head against the wall a few times as we move, mm-hmm. but at least we're moving towards something and you can direct it. Like if I'm going right towards you, that's my goal, but I'm right over here. Well, I can direct myself back. Mm-hmm. But if I'm just standing here trying to come to you before I launch, it's, it's difficult. So it's ready, fire, aim. <laughs> yeah. As a business owner, you know, as well as I do, that sometimes just taking the next step progress is all that matters, Mm -hmm. right? If you just stand still, you're going to lose. But if you just keep moving, you don't even have to make every decision is not going to be the right decision, right? So you don't even have to be heading in the right direction. You you can course correct later, but you have to be moving. And those are the folks who win. So I can definitely understand how that plays here and and how that works. So Mm -hmm. any parting thoughts for today? I would just say that don't be afraid to get other people, other people's opinion. You know, outside parties' opinions are good. So, you know, talking to John about your conversion rate on your site <laughs> is not a difficult thing to do, and it can provide a lot of value. And and there's no obligation to do that with you. And like with me in Google Ads, like I'll look at anybody's mm-hmm. Google Ads and help them. I just enjoy it. And if I can help a business owner not waste money, for me, that's a win. Like I maybe I didn't make money doing it, but you as a business owner know that I care about you and I, I want to make sure you're winning. At the same time, unless you're Scott's Miracle Grow, then yeah, maybe I'll try to take you down. <laughs> I was just going to give him a call and tell him, Ryan's going to give you free advice on your AdWords. Yeah. Uh, you might not want to take it, but he'll give it to you. Yeah, I'll give you, I'll give you some good advice from Scott. It'll be great. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Ryan. I appreciate your time on this. It's always fun to, to chat and I always learn some new stuff. And, you know, if, uh, if folks, you know, it's been a while, but how can folks get a hold of you? Because I know that. We're, we talk every week here, but uh, we don't often tell people how we can, how they can reach you. The easiest way is probably going to be go to ryangarrow.com. I think there's contact info on there, actually. <laughs> I haven't updated that site in probably years. But go there. You can get me. Go to LinkedIn. You can get me. I've got uh, a bunch of so – I, I think people can get us on driveandconvert.com too. Yes. They? Yep. Yeah, there's a form yeah. on there. Or just send an email to hello at driveandconvert, and that comes to both uh, Ryan and I. So Yeah. John and I are not difficult people to find if you want to find us. <laughs> there you go. Especially John. He's, he's <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm on the, I stand on the corner with a sandwich board sometimes too. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll help your site convert better. All right. Thank you, Ryan. Right. Have, Thanks, have John. A, a wonderful afternoon. You too. Bye. 
Thanks for listening to Drive and Convert with John McDonald and Ryan Garrow. To keep up to date with new episodes, you can subscribe at driveandconvert.com. Thank you.